Hello again. My name is Morgan Roberts, one of the retired pastors whose delight it is to be worshiping at Church of the Palms and enjoying the friendship and pastoral leadership of Pastor Steve McConnell. Uh, let us begin by reading the lesson, but first let us pray. Gracious God, from your holy word, speak to us today that we may know you, love you, and follow you. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Scripture lesson today is from the 13th chapter of Matthew, beginning at the 53rd verse. It's kind of an odd chapter. It begins with one verse with which Jesus has brought to an end some teaching ministry elsewhere and goes right to Nazareth, reading it from my cell phone so that I can see the letters. When Jesus had finished these parables, he left that place, wherever it was. It was the ending of a chapter of his ministry someplace else. Uh, he came to his hometown and began to teach the people in their synagogue so that they were astounded and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these deeds of power? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers and James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Prophets are not all, are not all his... Oh, excuse me, I didn't turn the page. Prophets are not without honor except in their own country and in their own house. And he did not do many deeds of power there because of their unbelief. This is an odd passage, isn't it? Uh, on the one hand, Jesus has had his usual successful ministry elsewhere, and he comes to his hometown, uh, to his own synagogue in Nazareth, and uh, the, the people there simply can't take it in. It doesn't say that they didn't believe that he had done mighty works elsewhere. It doesn't say that they were jealous of him. It's just that they somehow or other couldn't believe that anything big could have happened in Nazareth. Uh, you remember in the beginning of the Gospel of John when Nathaniel is first introduced to Jesus uh, being from Nazareth, he utters a proverb. Evidently it was said about Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And they evidently believed that. They couldn't associate anything big and important with their own hometown. Uh, and what do you call that? Do you call it a lack of spiritual imagination? I don't know what you call it, but they just couldn't see someone like Jesus coming out of their own hometown. Let me tell you a story. It uh, begins long ago in the fall of 1983. Received a phone call 
a boyhood high school friend of mine had died suddenly. The phone call was from his widow. And uh, because I had known him longer than she had, because we went way back to when I was, uh, we were 15, 16 years old, she said, you've known him longer than anybody else. Will you speak? Will you preach at his memorial service? Well, of course, I said that I would. Uh, I had preached in his church before. He was pastor of the Shadyside Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. I had preached in that pulpit. We'd exchanged pulpits. He had preached in my pulpit over in Birmingham, Michigan. And uh, so that's the way it began. And at the end of the service, before we parted, uh, some officers of the church said, could you uh, could you give us some ideas of uh, who would be a good successor to Bob, to Bob Holland? You know our church, you know Bob, uh, you preached here. And I said, well, I've been in the South, in Louisville, Kentucky, for six years. I have contacts in the South that you may not have, so I'll feed you various names of, of candidates that might fit the bill. Well, two years went by, and... Uh, I heard nothing from them. I gave them some names. Evidently, they didn't work out. But uh, we, uh, I was in Pittsburgh. I was delivering a lecture series at another church. And I noticed uh, members of that committee were there that day. And I said to a friend of mine, what are they doing here? And he said, looks to me like they've come here to hear you. So uh, they talked to me after the service and said, we need to talk to you. So before I went to the airport the following morning, they took me to someone's house and uh, they said, you're the one, we think you should come here. I said, well, let me go home and pray about it. And uh, I did that and I finally said yes to them and became the pastor of First Presbyterian Church excuse me, of Shadyside Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. Well, uh, what was interesting, when that was announced, my call to that church, I received a letter. And the letter was from someone uh, who had been at Bob Holland's memorial service where I had preached two years ago. And... Uh, he wanted to meet me. Uh, he evidently had been moved in some way by what I said. And uh, he lived up the hill from where I lived and he worked down the end of the street up the hill. Uh, and uh, I said I would meet him. And that's how I got to meet Fred Rogers, uh, the creator of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now he didn't need friends. He had hundreds of them. But uh, something about what I said uh, moved him in some way, and we agreed that once in a while we should get together. It was an interesting friendship. Uh, there were things that we had in common. We found out we were both born in the year 1928, both born in the month of March at different dates. And we both had the same initials, FMR. Fred McFeely Rogers and Frederick Morgan Roberts. Uh, so 
It was an interesting friendship. We'd go out for a lunch at some vegetarian restaurant. He was a strict vegetarian. But the interesting thing about going out to lunch with Fred Rogers was there was a, a constant stream of people coming to your table who wanted him to <laughs> autograph their napkin. And so it went, and so we enjoyed that friendship. Um, because, I, as I said, he lived up the hill from where I lived and down the hill and up to his television studio where the set was for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Because of that, he walked by our house every day. And it came to pass, on one day, he decided he'd just drop in unannounced. We, were, we had a kind of a relationship in which it wasn't necessary to call and say, I'd like to drop by this afternoon, is that okay? No, he just came to the door unannounced. Now it happens that it was during the Christmas season, my oldest daughter was there with her six-year-old six son, Christopher, and her little girl, Brittany, uh, two years younger. And as kids often do, uh, when, the door, when the bell rang at the front door, uh, Christopher ran and opened the door. And there was the real item, Mr. Rogers. I wish I had had a camera of that moment because Christopher was nothing other than biblically awe-stricken. It is though he had seen some vision, he was speechless, uh, Fred was used to that and spoke to him and came on in, but all during the time that uh, Fred was there, uh, Christopher was silent, looking on. So we had a nice visit, my daughter and uh, Fred and I, and uh, he left his holiday greetings and went on, and as soon as he had gone, I said to Christopher, what did you think of that? seeing Mr. Rogers right at our front door. And he said something interesting. He said, I thought he lived in another country. I thought he lived in another country. In other words, uh, wherever he was from, it wasn't, he wasn't supposed to show up on our doorstep. He wasn't supposed to be in our neighborhood, but there he was. So he lived in some other country whether it was the world of the TV screen or whatever. Uh, but it, it sounded like what we read in our scripture lesson. Uh, they didn't disbelieve the fact that Jesus was big and important. They just couldn't imagine that out of a place, uh, our place, our common place, that something that big could happen. So let me ask you today, Where's that other country where Jesus lives in your life? Where is it? How would you describe it? And people describe it in different ways. They'd say, well, the other country where I seem to find its presence is in church. And for some people, that's the way. They need a, a church to feel that they're in contact with God. I had a Cousin Joe drove a truck in New York City, but every day he found a place to, to park that truck so he could go to some church and pray. There was something about a church building that helped him pray. Other people say they can't find Jesus unless they have their Bible in front of them. 
It's like though he's locked up in the other world of the Bible. But let me tell you something. If you read the Bible, what you find is that that other place where Jesus is, is in the depths of your life. Actually, another sermon could start at this point. I mean, because what we read in the mid-chapters of the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter in particular, is that the Holy Spirit has come into the world in some new way. Jesus has gone away, but it's, it's like he came right back. But now in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit at the center of our lives, uh, it, it's like saying uh, somewhere at the center of your being there is another teacher. It's called the advocate or the counselor. There's someone who's making God known to us, who's in contact with us. He's teaching us things. How he's teaching, I don't know. Perhaps a change in circumstances, some new pastor, some new teacher has come into our experience. Uh, perhaps it's, it's a book that someone handed us, and try reading this, and that book begins, uh, begins to start something new going. The beginning of C.S. Lewis' uh, journey toward God began uh, in a railroad station where he wanted something to read on the train, and he picked up uh, George MacDonald's Fantasties, and he says, reading that book, my m imagination was baptized. However it happens, God is working in your life to make Jesus known. And whether it's a book or a teacher uh, or something you hear over the radio, uh, you're not alone. There's someone who's making God known to you. Another verse in that same midsection of John's Gospel says that uh, God is, and Jesus have come and made their home in their life. In other words, Fred, uh, Mr. Jesus isn't just at the door. He has come, made his home with us. He's living in your heart, finding all kinds of ways to make your experience of God meaningful to you. I don't know what they may be, but make no mistake of it. You're not alone. God knows you. God hears your prayers. He even hears what you really mean by those prayers. He knows you. He cares for you. There's never a moment when he's not making himself known. There is that other world in which he is living, making himself known to you. So we can sing in that gospel hymn, he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me a, life, a long life's narrow way. He lives, he lives salvation to impart. You ask me how he, I know he lives, he lives within my heart. God bless you and make you aware of the ways in which Jesus, at the very center of your being, has made his home. And may God make this come true in many ways for you.
Amen.